Hello, and welcome to Not Our First Rodeo, a podcast on faith and life by Christian women who have collectively made every mistake in the book. This is a Titus 2 podcast by King of Kings PCA, and we hope this episode is edifying to you as you continue to grow in holiness. Hello, welcome to Not Our First Rodeo. This is a podcast for Christian women where older women are attempting to fulfill the mandate in Titus 2 for older women to teach younger women how to love their husbands, their houses, how to walk with the Lord. And so this is our attempt to try to do that. So we have four very imperfect, flawed women here. And our tagline is women who have made every mistake in the book. And I think we probably have if we actually took an inventory. So. We are hoping that you make less mistakes along the way as we share what God has shown us over the years. So, I am Gail. We are here with... I'm Linda. I'm Helen. Kara. And we are continuing covering the book Before You Open Your Bible, which we recommend. It's a small book, but filled with many, many good teachings on how to approach God's Word. Yep. So an important one that we're going to cover, and this might take the whole 20, 30 minutes, is to approach your Bible communally. Now, we live in an age when we want to, we are encouraged to find and live out our own truth and what does it mean to me, you know, those kind of things. And now this guy has a gall to say that we're to approach the Bible communally. What does that mean? First of all, let's say what it means and then how that can be helpful. And not only helpful, but necessary. I think it's interesting because Hebrews tells us not to forsake meeting together, right? Mm -hmm. And there's another scripture that says iron sharpens iron. Well, iron can't sharpen iron if it's not rubbing up against Mm -hmm. another piece of iron. Um, But I think... For me, earlier in my Christian life, I really saw it as my relationship with Jesus and that other people were at church, right? But we all had our own individual thing going, and there wasn't a corporate aspect. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Well, I think of how many times Scripture talks about church as a family. Mm -hmm. And so, yes... I agree with that. I've thought of it much more individualistic when I was early in my um, salvation. And it was really helpful for me to realize, like, yes, I have an absolute close relationship, just me and my dad. So if you think of it like a household, I have a relationship as a parent with each of my kids. But we all have relationship still together. And we're not family if someone isn't there and hasn't showed up and doesn't come to you You notice the absence of the dinner table when one of the family members isn't there and I think to kind of separate those things like they're either or is not really how the Bible lays out what church Mm -hmm. is supposed to be or um, yes I'm in my word individually but it affects how the growth and shaping of the entire family happens right Um, no -hmm. different no different than our regular households and yeah. I, I see through, since the pandemic, that that definition has kind of changed for people. Yeah. And it kind of made it easy to stay apart from one another 
and to justify that, right? I mean, it's uh, officially over. That's what I heard last week on the news. But um, we still live as if, <laughs> you know, it's still, and we have a tendency to do that. Um, it's time to come together. It it's is. time to see the value in being together. Yeah. I think that's what we've lost sight of. And maybe that was tenuous before this all happened. But we definitely need to, I know when we were separated from the body of Christ, man, we were hurting. Yeah. We missed our people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it should. I you think should if we are people. okay not being with God's people, that should yeah. just mm-hmm. be Telling. a blaring siren sound to us. Yes. Because that's not the intent. That's not what God wants. No, you know, you just use that family relationship. No, yeah. it would break a parent's heart to see that one kid or this kid or that kid just didn't want to be around the rest of the family. Sure, we're all nuts, but you're <laughs> nuts too. And so, yeah. you know, that you don't, those things come out <laughs> when you gather together. And yeah. So I think it should be a warning, you. Yeah. you know, it, if when we don't want to, I think that should right. really be that should, yeah. to us. It, it's a signal, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when approaching God's word, if we can't read it communally, like you have all said, mm-hmm. if we're not together. Mm-hmm. So we need to come together and the margin of error when we read alone is multiplied. I'm thinking of the Ethiopian eunuch who is reading Isaiah, right? Right. And was it Peter? Philip. Philip, thank you. Sees him and said, do you know what you're reading? Let me help you understand that more fully. Isn't that a beautiful example? So here he's being obedient. He is trying. And this is probably a very marginal person, right? Mm -hmm. A eunuch. They didn't well, have any value, right? Actually, he was he was an officer, I think, in in a court. Okay, all right. Well, that, I that's can't remember the too. queen's name, but Candace, I think, could be. Okay, no. not that it matters, but um, <laughs> the whole idea. I can remember my aunt was reading the Bible on her own, and um, so somehow I decided to do a family Bible study on vacation with my relatives in Vegas. They thought I was nuts, you know. <laughs> So I read the Bible, well, why don't we just do the study? And Okay, so I talked about Joshua 1.8 and the importance of memorizing Scripture. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So she goes, well, I've read that verse, and that means you shouldn't be quoting Scripture. Because you quote, quote Scripture a lot. And that's saying not to let it come from your mouth. Now, if you're reading on your own, you can see where someone could think that. But then you get the wisdom, you know, the gleaning of other people, and you see that that, that means, no, you should always be speaking it. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. it has the opposite view. Mm-hmm. Also, I love this verse, and it's kind of tucked away in, is it 2 Timothy? I just lost. Oh, 1 Timothy 3.15. Uh, and it says, so that. I want to find a different version. Okay, ESV. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God and pillar of buttress and truth. So God has said that the church is where truth resides. Of course, it resides first and foremost in the person of Christ mm-hmm. as he manifests God to us. But, And that doesn't mean our church or any other church doesn't have error. But, you know, the whole two heads are better than one kind of thing, right? right? right. We need people who are farther down the road who have studied more who understand you know well for sure and we all come with baggage right 
We all have a history. We all have varying experiences, levels of education, personalities, mm -hmm. and all of that can create a tendency if I'm not studying with anyone else, if I'm not talking about God's word with other people, then I'm going to let all of my stuff infect my understanding yep. of what I'm reading. Right. And the thing is, we wouldn't recognize that in ourselves. No. Because right. we could go on all day long rewriting scripture in our own mind, and it doesn't feel weird. <laughs> right. It seems right. That's true. It's only, you know, it's it's like that Dorian Gray's mirror. You know, like, you have to, you don't love everything you see when you're in there. You're like, okay, well, stuff's getting bleak. But you <laughs> would not know the truth if you do not have that mirror. That's and right. the other people in the church show us the truth about ourselves uh -huh. and we can go on thinking we're amazing until someone annoys us and that's when we know the truth yeah and i think i'm real holy by myself yeah no there's no one there to provoke us right so to speak. <laughs> yeah and so it should be i think first and foremost our own church mm -hmm. you know where oh, we're yeah. members the oh, people sure. who have been god has entrusted our mm -hmm. souls to but i think there's also even past that i think that the church universal needs to learn from different cultures of Christianity because Linda, what you said is so true. I come to God's word based on a middle-class Western white woman's view. That's who I am now. And every single person will come with their own view. And I think I've shared this in Bible studies, the idea of like different shades of glasses, you know? So, I see everything through my lens, and that doesn't mean it's all wrong, but it's certainly not all right. So say my glasses are blue, and yours are pink. Maybe you're, like, I, I talked to Mabel often, she's from Cameroon. She has some different ways of viewing scripture based on being sure. a black woman in the United States who was raised as a Christian in Cameroon. Mm -hmm. She has pink glasses, and sometimes we need to switch those as much as we can, right? Mm -hmm. And I need to see things through her eyes because I am missing things right, all the time. And even if you don't have that built out into your life yet, which I think you should, I think at least being aware that you are only looking at scripture through your own eyeballs and that's not gonna be, there's other vantage points in this, right. you know, that yeah. people are gonna see. And, it is familial. You know, you could be looking at the same problem from different positions in the room, mm -hmm. and you're going to be like, no, I don't think that's the thing. If you just swap seats, <clears throat> you'll see that from somewhere, mm -hmm. from some other um, vantage point. And I think it's important for us to at least know, even if it's not happening, it should, and try to look for ways to kind of stretch out more in that part of your faith. I like that, stretch out more. Yeah, because we might be thinking, well, I only know people who are like me. Okay, well, maybe that's a clue. You need to get to know other kinds of people. Mm -hmm. In our age, when you were talking, Helen, last time about all the resources we have, we can pick up a book. You might say, I don't know any from Africa. I don't know anyone from South America. And they're not getting it all right either. Right. right? <laughs> right. They need our glasses as well. <laughs> yeah. We can get that through books. We can understand yeah. Yeah. their emphasis. And they need to understand ours. And what a beautiful picture of the body, Right. Yeah, locally yeah. and globally. One of the things the author points out in the book is um, the fact that in English, the word you is singular 
and plural, where in many languages it's differentiated. So he says he wishes our Bible said y'all. <laughs> <laughs> all y'all. Did y'all say all y'all? <laughs> yeah. Because we don't, we read right past that corporate aspect mm-hmm. when we read the word you. We do. Another thing, and you probably have all seen this, is there's such a tendency today to, when reading the scripture, is to first go to what does it say to me? Right. Right. Now, we have to get there at some point. That's the purpose. God wants to form yeah. us and us to apply his word. But if we start there, that's upside down, isn't it? Right. Yeah. We need to start with what? What, what is, is it saying say? to the original? To the How would audience. they have yeah. understood it? Right. Well, that's a lot more work mm-hmm. than saying, you know. But it's work that is really worth it. Because once we can try to understand that, as best we can, I mean... All of us are so far from what it's like to be a main ancient person from woman from the Middle East. It's not funny. But as much as we can try to do that, then what it says to us is going to be so much richer. I think we have a, a, or at least I do, I have a real bad default of approaching scripture with what I know and what I don't, instead of what I don't know. Uh-huh. And then I'm just reading my own will into the world. <laughs> and, um, but it's hard. It's scarier to try to approach it with what you don't know. and Or at least the mindset that you don't know something. Because, you know, Teach give me a few minutes, I think I know everything. So for me, I have to really challenge myself to do that. Like, there's something here I do not know. You know, I forget who says it. I think it's in... Um, the book Ordinary, or maybe Michael Reeves talks about this, how the more familiar something gets, even though it's the most valuable thing, and maybe you guys know that where I'm coming, pulling this book from, but, uh, but because it's so familiar, it's not very valuable anymore. And he can, relates it to like a marriage. This is the most important relationship of your life, but you're just so comfortable and just so familiar. You've seen this before. You've read this passage before. And so you just kind of... Uh, about it and if you continue that in a relationship you end up with not a relationship and if we you know continue in the word that way you're not being shaped and formed you're trying to shape and form it and i i can be very guilty of that i have to watch that in my own walk that's a great way to articulate it i think i do that didn't realize it yeah yeah because what's familiar seems more comfortable yeah and you're like we don't want to break in new shoes right yeah that's hard to do (laughs) It is more comfortable, but it's also more common mm-hmm. yeah. and less special. Right. And that old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. Yeah. I think it you know? breeds complacency, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I've been <clears throat> thinking more about complacency lately. Um, well, I don't do that. You know? But if I'm not, and we can't fix every right. cultural woe. I'm not saying no. that, but we can at very least pray for the things, right? Right. But in Amos, God holds those guilty, not just the oppressors, not just those who stomped on widows, orphans, and the poor, but those who were complacent and stood by and did nothing. Yeah. And so we don't want complacency when we come to the Bible, right? No. And community can help us avoid that trap of complacency. So many times I've been in Bible study and someone will say, I mean, this happens almost every time I could say. And I think, oh, I've studied, I've prepared. And then someone says something from a slightly different angle that breaks up my complacency. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, 
Now, sometimes we resist that. Well, why is she saying that? You know, <laughs> we're sometimes suspicious, right? Rather than just saying, wait, maybe let me ask a follow-up question. Do you mean right. this? You know, because sometimes yeah. that's really helpful. But I have gone away with my complacency corrected hmm. in any given area. Mm-hmm. And that happens over and over again in study yeah. with other women. Right. And in, and in church, right? Sometimes Josh yeah. will say something. I've read the passage before church. He reads it before he preaches. Mm-hmm. And then he says something that just knocks me off my seat. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that in a hundred years. Hmm. I think we kind of get very, it's all personal. You know, and I remember struggling like, oh, wow, yes, he loves me, but he also loves all his other kids. You know, that was such a, it doesn't seem like that should be such a revelation, but sometimes there's people you don't want to love. And he right. does, because he like, all parents love all the kids all the time. And I'm like, oh, God's like that too. Um, and I, you know, there's just certain, you know, we have to kind of, we need to rub up against each other, even if it's yeah. nothing more than an annoyance. We do not know what's irritating us, or we don't know where our sin patterns are, unless we start to itch. And we don't want to have to work at all when we approach scripture. I think, you know. And, yes, that's where the. Sorry. I know. I just wanted to like osmosis. Just come on in. We think because yes, yeah, like oh, the Holy Spirit. It. It'll all come right because the Holy Spirit's at work. I don't have to do anything. No, no, no. We have to fight and work, and it's hard work to concentrate. And we don't want to. We we don't have to sweat much or almost anything think about the fact that we are so wildly overweight at our culture that we have to go and walk on a treadmill because we don't actually walk anymore just to kind of get some kind of healthiness it's easy for us to not have to put in much effort for almost almost anything you know we don't have to even get up and go turn on the tv anymore and turn the knob to switch the channels like we barely have to do any work for anything and we're putting that in the word as well and yeah it's you don't there's not good effort. You get really out of shape when you don't have to work at all. Yeah. My dad, you know, when I was young, we didn't, there were no remote controls yet. They did come eventually, but so my dad's remote control was he would yell from the family room. <laughs> I'd be in my room, Gail, conscience. <laughs> and I look back at him and go, get what up. in the world? Get up. You know, call me. I'm doing homework. This <laughs> is so like, oh, we didn't have remote controls. Yeah, yes, we did. They did. Yeah. And they had dishwashers, too. And they yes. were our names. Yeah. Yes. yeah. It's true. Yes. My kids once asked me why I didn't buy a dishwasher. And I said, I had three. That's I didn't right. need another one. <laughs> That's why we have them, right? Those they act cost like that, the most. Right? <laughs> yes. So what about pastors um, and elders? How do they encourage community and gospel mm. centered lives I think of King of Kings that's the mm. one I'm most familiar with right. Doug at Mother's Day was our 15 years at King of Kings Doug reminded me of that wow. as we were falling asleep I was talking to Nia and he said she asked me how long have you been there and I said oh I think 12 or 13 years and then as we are falling asleep he's like by the way it was 15 on Mother's Day because we visited on Mother's Day oh. anywho <laughs> That's merely incidental. What am I talking about? What was your question? <laughs> how do how pastors oh, and elders, and elders, elders. leaders yeah. encourage community and gospel-centered yeah. living? Well, we have a meeting here once a week for the staff. The elders meet, 
And we make decisions based on what is going to foster growth in Christ, understanding of God's word, and community. You know, so we have these fellowship meals. It's just not, oh yeah, we like to eat bratwurst and root beer floats, although we do like that. Right? But there's something deeper at play. The, our leaders know that that's what we need. Yeah. So they plan these things to help us because, you know, some of us who are more outgoing, we're going to see community and we'll find it. But there's other people, they're more reticent. Maybe they just don't feel comfortable yet. And so I think we can really help by planning women's lunches, planning fellowship meals, Bible studies, all these things. And we try to, right, appeal to a diverse group of people. We're not all monolithic, you know, so yeah. sometimes we do craft days and sometimes we do workshops and sometimes we just do socials. And I think all those things, they're not just things we do to be busy, yeah. but there's intent and prayer behind it. And I really appreciate our session. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things when I pray for this session is, you know, I always am grateful for their commitment to sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. to biblical theology. Um, there's a quote in the book that says, if you don't need your Bible at church, then the Bible says you don't need that church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know? I think, too, the communal aspect that we talked about what the leaders do, that our leaders have decided that we'll have communion every week. Now, we don't think about that per se, but Jesus is the word, right? Yep. When we come to his table, we're partaking of Jesus in a sense. You know, we don't believe it becomes a body and blood, but that there's a special presence of Christ in that meal. That meal is God's word and pictures. Yes. So every time we go, somehow what's reinforced is the gospel. Jesus mm-hmm. gave his life. He shed his blood. You are forgiven. And there is something about someone handing you that bread and wine and saying, this is the body of Christ given for you for yeah. the remission of your sins. Mm-hmm. Right. We need to be reminded yeah. of that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Over and over and over Absolutely. again. Yeah. So that's another way, truth through the sacraments. For sure. And hearing that in a voice that is not yours. Mm. We need yes. more voices in our head than that's our right. own. <clears throat> Ours to, after a while, first, I don't know about you, but mine defends myself. Then I end up <laughs> mocking myself because I realize how ridiculous yeah. I can be. Well, and I think church membership is important. Membership is a commitment, right? Yeah. Uh, it is a saying. It's saying, I'm going to show up. I'm a part of this <laughs> group. And on the other hand, the church is saying, we're going to show up. For you, right? It's it's a two way street. Right. I don't do all the work, but they don't do all the work either. No, they can't, right? Yeah, right. right. That's so, a good point. you know, some churches don't even have a membership. Well, I've heard Eve. We probably all heard the argument. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you have to. Well, there's many things we deduce from the truth of the Bible where it's not explicitly commanded, right? Mm-hmm. Is it wise? Is there prudence in having membership? We see. Um, widow's lists. Well, what were the purpose of those in the New Testament? So that widows could be cared for. Right. And didn't fall through the cracks. Right. So, 
Is that every single woman? No. It identified certain women. They had to be over a certain age, given to the Lord's work. Not gadabouts, you know, going from house to house, telling gossipy tales or anything like that. So are we commanded to have a widow's list? Are we commanded to have a roster that says who's part and who's not? I don't think that, I don't know of an explicit commandment. However, if the leaders are to oversee and shepherd a flock, how do they identify who their flock is? Is it someone who visits once, twice, a year? Do our, our elders love everyone who walks through the door, right? But they're committed, they're accountable right. to the souls of those who are here. And like you said, Linda, committed. I just think it, it's, it, it's wise. It's just yeah. really wise. I mean, we actually went to a church for a while where Doug was nominated to be a deacon and we weren't members, you know. Actually, we had left the church a couple of years ago. So we need to know who is it that God has entrusted for oversight. I think it's important. Yeah, yeah. I think it's vitally important. And I think, you know, shepherding as the pastor and the elders are called to do is very hard, like you said, if you don't know your sheep. And if you don't know the individual sheep and so, at least some of their characteristics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, shepherding becomes very difficult. And that doesn't mean if someone's checking out a church that we're not going to give them any time or get to know them. But let's face it, when uh, resources are limited, you prioritize and the priority is those those in your flock. Then if there's something left over, then we... Yeah, I don't know. Someone said this. This is not for me, but I really liked this idea that everyone is invited to dinner, but not everybody is part of that family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, yes, you get to eat, you get to come visit, you get to hang out, you get same similar treatment, you're, you know, you're welcomed, but you're not, it's not the same, but it is still important that That's people right. are invited, you know, that you invite people over for dinner. And I just kind of liked that, it, that helped me. You That's know, really a helpful metaphor. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who said it, but um, I, I just love that because, you know, your kids, you get that, I like mm-hmm. pictures in my mind. And so, you know, your kids invite, can someone come over for dinner? Can someone stay at the night? Yes, you're not going to mistreat the, oh, right. the, your guest or you're the person, you know, who's coming and hanging out with your kids. But it, it is different and it's very important for the family to be built out. And, the you know, it's just like when I was saying, it's even if we're not able to do as much as we would like to do as far as, um, you know, expectantly and things like that, caring about it is kind of like a first step. And I think that that's really important that the leadership and session and elders they should care about the people that are coming in and the people that are going to be you know part Mm -hmm. of the family and we kind of scored our session and our elders really do that you know but there's for me there's also an element I don't like people in my business and to be doing communal things (laughs) sometimes people have to be in your business and you know, we don't like that. It's that it's another way we're mirrored and you know, we just don't want that. We're like, oh, they don't need to know this. They don't need and they do. Churches where we kinda of have to get in each other's business a little bit and make those corrections and point out, you know, places where we maybe aren't seeing something that because we can only see from one position and And we were created 
to be together. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a longing in there. I think of uh, that movie, was it Castaway, where Tom, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks yeah. is alone on that island. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he befriends the no, volleyball. <laughs> Wilson. <laughs> Wilson, yes. <laughs> you know, but even he knew, you know, mm-hmm. there's, uh, he longed for people in general, yeah. you know, on obviously his people. And as believers, we should be with our people. We should want to be there. There should be a comfort in membership, in attending a church regularly, because then you're part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah. And then the learning and the loving and all that, that, that can all happen as a part of that. But if you're standing on the outside, you know, some people are um, professional church hoppers. Yes, every two years or off and, and it's almost like that check mark thing. Oh, well, I went to church. Yeah. But it's uh, almost like I don't want anybody to get to know me, you know, keeping everybody at, at arm's length. And But you're missing out. Yeah, people are going to get in your business sometimes, but God wants to get in your business too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> to correct us, to sanctify us, to put us on that path of being more Christ-like. So you're missing out if you don't become a part of a body somewhere, right, yeah. somehow. I think we have such an example throughout scripture and this is kind of women specific but women gathered yeah all throughout scripture they gra- gathered mm-hmm. up their kids and got their buckets for water and they went down and they give the yeah. kids the bath right. they were just by each other and I think that like our church parties mm-hmm. and our fellowships and some of these things it just gets us by each other right and that's we, I'm a person who feels like I don't necessarily need people in my life but that's obviously not true so I have to work harder I would be fine talking to a volleyball I think on an island by myself <laughs> but God has decided that's not the best for me and we we have to work a little harder sometimes I think yeah. to try to gather and be willing to be annoyed or irritated or be around people if you're not a people person or I just think well, it's important for us to do even the idea of approaching God's word communally I my first thought is oh the sermons the sacraments and those are all true right but God brought to mind that there was a woman at my church years and years ago back in the Chicago area and had adopted a baby who, you know, the mother had said, the birth mother, no, she never used any drugs or alcohol. Well, time went on and the, the baby, who's now a toddler, severely delayed. She had fetal alcohol syndrome. Okay, well, I made the ignorant comment that... You know what? God must have thought he knew who to give this child to because you and your husband are so, you know, whatever. And she corrected me, not in some, like, you idiot, why would you say that? She said, you know what, Gail, I am, we are no better equipped to handle this baby with these severe disabilities than anyone else. But I know that he will meet the needs that we have. And she was right. I, I mean, I probably heard someone say that and thought it sounded cool. Um, I've never said that since. Because she was right. There's no evidence in scripture otherwise. I mean, people who don't have two brain cells, sometimes are giving kids who are handicapped, and they're no better equipped. I mean, we, we don't know why God does what and yeah. why he does it. So even joining together that's a way that we can be corrected just through regular conversation like well, you know and when someone does it like that you don't feel offended like oh i don't know i think it's more like this perhaps 
and then we we study we start aligning ourselves to what yeah. is true more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that when that happens. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's it's really interesting to me to to consider that I often am very thankful for the people that God has brought into my life. You know, the friends that He has gifted me with, the family that He has gifted me with. It's amazing to me that he allows us <laughs> to play a role right. in each other's sanctification, in each yeah. other's growth, whether right. it's encouraging or correcting. Um, or exampling. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's all that yeah. stuff, and he knows we need it, and he provides it in yeah. people that sometimes get on my last nerve. Mm-hmm. And that happens too, huh? <laughs> But messed up as we are, we need each other, and that's God's plan. And so our understanding of God's word is going to be really enhanced and way more accurate when we pursue truth together than off on an island. Today's episode was brought to you by the Women of King of Kings Church. Visit our show notes for more information. 